Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jack, there we go, Jack. Am I on now? Is that me? Hi, yes. how are you? Hey, kids, welcome to a Friday edition of Just a Game. I would be me. Uh, you hopefully know who you are. Uh, we don't want to go through that ugly incident all over again. Um, welcome. Welcome. Uh, the Nation Network, proud to be part of the Nation Network, which continues to expand. Uh, our good friend Danny Austin now with the show. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, speaking of friends of the program, uh, very excited, Darren Haynes from Canadian Press, formerly The Athletic, uh, Flames from 80 Feet, uh, all-around good guy, was at the uh, Stampeders game last night. Also, if you press him, likely has an opinion or two on the local hockey heroes and the uh, other local hockey heroes spread across North America. Uh, the Stampeders opening up week one of the CFL. The uh, commissioner was in the house, and it was him and uh, about thirteen or 14,000 of his friends. Uh, having said that, um, we've been spoiled, haven't we? Like here in Calgary, when it comes to the CFL, you have to go back a, a long way. Now, I know what you're saying, uh, Rob. You know, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle last year, uh, um, you know, for our friend Boba Levi. But in all fairness, you have to go back a long time. Henry Burris, Bo Levi Mitchell, we have been spoiled with top-end quarterbacks. And this is not an indictment on Jake Mayer. I will leave that to the Danny Austins of the world. But it wasn't good quarterbacking last night. It wasn't good offense last night. It was uh, what we've seen in the past, which is a stout defense. Yes, they gave up two early touchdowns, but then they really kept Vernon Adams Jr. and the rest of the BC Lions in check, at least until the end, probably a little bit of uh, tired there. But uh, just not happening on offense late touchdown in the fourth quarter perhaps made the game a little bit more interesting than it than it was um but again week one all of those sort of things we can excuse it away and you know what right do we have to demand great quarterbacking every single year from this franchise um good question but it wasn't fun to watch uh, and i hope uh, for dave dickinson and uh, there's no i I like these guys. Like, I like this team. I, I, I like the guys running this team. Jay McNeil's now kind of taking over the off field. And, and you know, I really like Jay and, I, and I'm excited for Jay. But there's some work to be done here. Uh, there's work to be done to get people back in the building. There's work to be done to get this offense going. 
and the the nice thing, the one thing that you, when you put your head down on the pillow last night as a Stampeder fan and you said, oh, 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 that was not good. At least, at least prior to the last two games and the, the other game I'm talking about is the West semifinal last year in BC. Prior to the last two games, Jake was not the issue. The quarterback was not the issue. Um, he's young. He's still evolving. He'll get there. He's got one of the best has ever played the game in this league as his head coach. Um, this is a good coaching staff, but we've been spoiled. We have been spoiled. Now I would also defend that spoiling and the spoiledness because we, you in particular, the person who purchases the ticket, the person who purchases the merchandise, the person who goes out and tailgates, the person who's this group of diehard fans, you were constantly smacked in the face with a weak old wet halibut by previous owners. I think back to the uh, Michael Federick, Kevin Federick, Fateri days. I think back to the illusion or that one year that was Matt Dunnigan as the head coach. And, and, and I, that pains me to say because one of my dearest friends in the whole world was the president of that team that year. And, and unfortunately he still has to wear a little bit of that too. But then, then the changes came and then Henry Burris came and then Huffnagel came and, and Jim Barker was there and Tom Higgins played a part in this. And there was this restoration of this franchise. And it became a going concern. It became the class of the league. It became the team in the West that always had the Western Conference final home field advantage. It beat the crap out of the Elks. I refuse, just out of good grammar. And I'm not, I'm the wrong person. I am the wrong person to stand up for good grammar. But in this case, I refuse to refer to them as the Elk. They are the Elks. That is plural. Elk is a single animal. Beat the hell out of the Elks year after year after year in Labor Day. And then Bo Levi Mitchell came in. And all he did was set a record for wins to start a career. And all he did was set records in what was an already um, impressive history and record book for the Calgary Stampeders. And somewhere along the line, the media, of which I can be part of, and I think to a certain extent the fan base, Got complacent. We got fat and sassy. Well, me. I got fat and sassy. And you begin to expect it, and you begin to take it for granted, and you begin, and you begin, and you begin, and you begin, and you begin. And guess what? It ain't that anymore. And it hasn't been for a while now. But last night, speaking of weak old wet halibuts, that one smacked you across the face as a Stampeder fan. It did. It stinks. It stings. It wasn't great. It's week one. Do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Please, I implore you, on Monday, listen to Live from the 55, because there is an expert, Danny Austin. He will give you his take. I am just drawing some opinions. I am just pointing to things. More from a historical standpoint. Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. Now, I will entertain... And, and certainly give the floor over to someone who wishes to maintain that, yes, those were good years, but there was not enough gray cups mixed in there. Yes, absolutely, I concur. For how good that team was, the talent of that team, the, the quality of the coaching, all of those sort of things, I do not believe 
there are enough Grey Cup rings for what should have been. The number of times this team went to Toronto and Toronto backed into the postseason and the Argonauts find that we don't even have to go there. You know what I'm saying. So 25-15, week one, Ottawa next week. Um, again, early in the season. It, it does beg the question from an outsider, from a 30,000-point view. I, I, I've long held this belief that I, I don't know what the perfect number is. I don't know what the perfect um, uh, time frame is. I think it, it varies. But in a conversation with Don Matthews once, he told me, you really don't know what you have in the CFL until week four. Um, Tom Higgins would have a similar conversation like that with the media. I, I don't know about Dave. I don't want to put words into Dave's mouth. Two preseason games, it, it seems from an outsider that we move further and further and further away from starters playing meaningful reps. Uh, now, because of the nature of the sport, it being a collision sport, it being a high-risk sport, I'm not saying and suggesting that, you know, that needs to change or we need to play more preseason games. Nobody wants that. But I think if you're realistic and, and it, a day after the first game is not when you throw the baby out with the bathwater, it's not when you fire the coach, it's not when you, you know, burn your, your jersey, it's none of those sort of things. It just stunk last night, that's all. Looking in the crowd... You'd like to see more people there uh, looking on the field. You'd like to see more completed passes. You'd like to see these offensive weapons engaged. Uh, the defense did its job as far as I'm concerned. Uh, credit to the BC Lions who go from Nathan Rourke to Vernon Adams Jr. And that is not a, a straight line. And that's not a knock against Vernon Adams Jr. Who's a, an excellent, uh, very good, capable uh, CFO quarterback right now. Uh, but that offense is good. They have weapons. Uh, they're talented. The one area that I think, and we've had this conversation with Danny before, uh, you know, and I far be it for me to contradict uh, Dave Dickinson because I know in his post game scrum he said he wasn't satisfied with all three facets of his of his team's play. But I didn't see too many problems with special teams. I'm no co fo football coach, and I'm no head coach or anything like that, but I didn't see too many problems with the special teams. Mark Killam and his crew continue to do great work, and that guy destined to be a head coach very, 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 very soon. All right. Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, they decided to fire up the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it looked it looked like Vegas was just going to be on a different plateau, uh, but there's Matthew Kachuk again. There's Matthew Kachuk again. One nothing lead nursed by the Panthers. A couple of goals by the Knights. They've got a 2-1 lead. A couple minutes to go in the game. And who's all alone scoring the game-tying goal, making the play? Yep, you know it. Matthew Kachuk. Uh, 19 games, 24 points, plus 12. I will, if somebody offers me the uh, flotation device of, well, you weren't in the media and you weren't paying as close attention, I'll take it. But I was schooled a couple of weeks ago by Craig Button because 
in my infinite wisdom, I, I was suggesting that something had, had happened. There was some transition between this playoffs version of Matt Kachuk and last year's playoffs version of Matt Kachuk. And there was. He's healthy. And, and I owe everybody an apology for even bringing that up because you, he, Craig was right. He had the hand injury. He could not play to the game and the level he wanted. Um, so let me just say, this healthy Matt Kachuk last year for Calgary would have made a difference. And I, I would say, would he have won the series against Edmonton? Maybe, 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 maybe. But he is a lot of fun to watch. I certainly hold no grudge towards him. I know some do and those sort of things. Um, but in a way, I think you make that case. And he got, he got rocked. Like, he got rocked. The concussion spotters pulled him out. So it was a minor miracle he got back into the game to begin with, and he got back in, and he made an impact. But a game after Jack Eichel, and let's talk about Jack Eichel here in a second. Let's talk about Jack Eichel here in a second. Jack Eichel throwing the body. Jack Eichel got rocked. Jack Eichel comes back. Jack Eichel makes big hit. I'm, I'm forgetting words now. I'm, I'm going back to prehistoric talk. Uh, uh, I just recently, I don't know if you had the chance to share uh, whatever your version of Saturday Night Live is, but mine's the Phil Hartman era, and I just recently was able to share with my son uh, Unfrozen uh, Caveman Lawyer, uh, which I just think is is brilliant. So sometimes I, I'm just a simple un caveman. You know, your planes frighten me. But you know what? You, to me, I think Matt Kachuk, he did Superman last night. <coughs> Get on my back. Bobrovsky was good. Like, hey, listen, Bobrovsky got yanked, should have been yanked in the first, got yanked in the second. You know, uh, he he got the net back, and I know there was kind of, well, why would they give it back to him? He was good last night. But Kachuk was on another level. Okay, so let's talk about Jack Eichel. And I'll say this. I'll preface this by saying, I have no love for the Vegas Golden Knights. None. None whatsoever. None. I do like their GM, Kelly, uh, Kelly McCrimmon. He's a nice guy. And Kelly Kissio, former uh, coach, manager, and president of the Calgary Hitmen, he's on their staff, and Kelly's a good guy. But anyway, my, my whole thing is they got this incredible opportunity that no other expansion team, including Seattle, got. They've taken full advantage of it. They're, they're you know, having watched the Columbuses and Nashvilles and Anaheims and Atlantas wander through the desert aimlessly for years without superstars and without success to watch this team in its second Stanley cup final in six years and to be the better team. Let's be perfectly honest. They're the better team right now. Um, and leading two games to one Jack Eichel, Kevin weeks last year put out a post that the flames had dangled Matt Kachuk and other pieces to Buffalo for Jack Eichel. I, I never fully, got confirmation of this, but I was under the belief that that was not necessarily the case, but it also immediately led to Vegas upping the ante, putting Peyton Krebs into the deal and Buffalo got what they wanted. Um, I always felt like the flames were used in that situation. I don't think that Buffalo really was ever. And I, again, I'm not in the room, never talked to anybody about this. I'm just my gut on this 
was it sure felt like they leaked some information to Kevin Weeks. Kevin Weeks went with it, and that was what they wanted because that forced Vegas back. At least when I put my head down on the pillow, I can go to sleep at night thinking that that's, that's how it all went down. But Jack Eichel never tasted the playoffs in Buffalo. Jack Eichel became this pariah in Buffalo because he didn't want to do what their doctors wanted. He wanted to do what he and his doctors felt. Um, he was always, he always had the unenviable position of being the other guy in the Connor McDavid draft. If they were separated by nine months and just enough six months, whatever it would take to push them into two separate drafts, there would have been uh, fail for uh, Eichel or, or, you know, suck for Eichel, whatever we would have come up with. Jack, work on that for me. Get, come up with a slogan for that. I, I don't know what the right thing is. Um, but he would have been an amazing first overall pick. Injuries, Buffalo, all of those sort of things. And then he goes to Vegas and he's hurt when he gets there. And he kind of gets back on his feet last year. Jack Eichel has been terrific in these posts in this postseason. Jack Eichel is everything that the number two in the McDavid draft should be. He passes the puck exceptionally well. He does not mind getting physical. Yes, he got rocked by Kachuk, had to leave, came back, rocked a guy last night. Jack Eichel's a superstar. Like he is a superstar. Now, the 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 goofing around, whatever you want to call it, the the second guessing, the 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 chomping and all that stuff, whatever. Never got out of the gate in Buffalo, was injured for a couple. That's likely going to cost him career numbers that would put him into those conversations. But if I was starting an NHL club today and I had the fourth or fifth pick, how about <clears throat> how about I go with fifth pick? If I had the fifth pick and I was starting an NHL club today. You'd have to think McDavid goes one. I think Dreisaitl goes two. I think then Kale McCarr or Austin Matthews or Matt Kachuk goes three. So one, and my, my point being is I would be ecstatic if I was the fifth overall team in this brand new draft and I got to pick Jack Eichel. I would be. Is it one year? Is it one playoff? Yeah, but he comes with the pedigree, and he he's playing to the the level that we all expected him to play to. Uh, the two teams will meet in a couple of days here. Um, it just I, I I it felt more like survival last night for Florida than them clawing themselves back into this series. You know, we've had those you know those five game eliminations and stuff like that where uh, somebody, what was the term I heard yesterday? Jack, have you heard this term? A gentleman's sweep. I have never heard that one before. I have. Yeah. Five games, right? Yeah. That's a gentleman's sweep. Gentleman's sweep. Okay. Yeah. That, thank you. <laughs> so I'm not, I, I thought that was brilliant. And, and I think it very well could be a gentleman's sweep here. A uh, little closer to home, but Rob, why didn't you start with this? Um, well, we can. Uh, certainly the boys in the barn burner were all over it. Elliot Friedman um, got everybody's attention yesterday during the game. Uh, his report was that Ryan Huska, uh, Flames assistant coach, uh, is the leading candidate. Um, did not say it was imminent. Didn't say it was going to happen for sure. Just when Elliot speaks, 
everybody pays attention. And immediately everybody kicked into overdrive and went right to, okay, so he's the coach. Now what do we do? Uh, Ryan Huska apparently is Craig Conroy's, uh, Dave Nonis's, Brad Pascal, Chris Snow's, that hockey department, uh, Maloney. That's supposedly, according to Elliot Friedman, the guy. He has, and, and uh, trust me, if if you listen to me try to pick series winners, I am not in a position to ever, ever, ever say to you, see, I told you so. Uh, my prediction ability is, is uh, well, really, it's it's measured in the fourth grade. Uh, that, that's where I make predictions. Uh, but it was Huska and Conroy for me. Um, it, it was right from the get-go. We talked a little bit about this before. Okay, Rob, but then what about Mitch Love? If you give Huska the job, you'll, you'll lose Mitch Love. Yep, that's possible. Very possible. Maybe add him to the staff. I don't know. But you can't, and, and this is, there's a little bit of a lesson with Craig Conroy here. You know, Craig Conroy got an interview in Buffalo. And, you know, I believe it was, that's when Kevin Adams got the job. Uh, I think. Uh, I might be wrong on that, actually. Uh, but anyway, that's the previous interview that was public for Craig was with Buffalo. Um, you know, at that point, that kind of, to me, sends a you know recognition from um, other people outside your organization that this person is valued, that this person is, you know, warrants a conversation. Ryan Huska had that same opportunity with Detroit. Uh, I don't believe that Stevie Iserman... Um, necessarily just does things on the whim. I think he's very uh, informed, uh, very calculated. Uh, Ryan Huska was clearly somebody that they were looking at. Now, he didn't get the job in Detroit. That goes without saying. Um, he is a longtime coach, 20 years, Western League, American League, NHL. He just feels like the right choice and has felt like the right choice to me. Um, it's that shiny toy thing. Meanwhile, all Mitch Love did was win back-to-back -back American Hockey League Coach of the Year. All Mitch Love did was, you know, develop a, a cadre of young players that the Calgary Flames now have to make decisions on. Ryan Huska did similar things, you know, in Adirondack and Stockton. Um, I I would not have been surprised, and and still would not be surprised. I I, I guess I got to go back and say that still wouldn't be surprised that, um, you know, again, Friedman did not say it was a done deal. He said that's where they were leaning. Uh, would not be surprised if, you know, Mitch Love, if it goes back and forth. I am certainly not surprised the Calgary Flames uh, are not going with a bigger name. And I'm going to say this, and, and, and it's going to sound like a slight against Craig Conroy or a slight against the organization. It's not intended to be. They're paying Daryl Sutter $4 million a year the next two years not to coach. You've already invested. This is not the time to open up the bank for Gerard Gallant, who, by the way, just left the Rangers because the players didn't get along with their coach. This is young coach time. This is the right time. A young GM who gets to pick his first coach, Brian Huska, um, I think we've got his board. Did we? I apologize, Jack. You probably threw it up there, but uh, I was, you know, babbling on this topic. But Ryan Huska has, to me, is kind of Craig Conroy in coaching. He's done it all. Um, played in the league, assistant, head coach, won a championship, 
um, oh, well, he, you know, he missed the playoffs in three years and only you in the American Hockey League, it, it's less to do with, um, you know, certainly Mitch Love, you know, had great success, but it's about the development. So go back and look at those Adirondack and Stockton teams and who got developed and who got up here, um, you know, that type of thing. And then has been certainly a coach that's seen a lot being part of Peter's, uh, Ward, Sutter's staff. Um, we'll see. I, I, I like it, but it was the, it, I don't get a vote. I like it, but I don't get a vote. Um, and again, all due respect to Elliot Friedman. We all believe this is going to happen, but it's still got to happen. You know, what's happening tomorrow in Vancouver. <laughs> you do, don't you? It's UFC 289. Tomorrow, pay-per-view or your favorite UFC-endorsed location to go watch it. Uh, it is headlined by Amanda Nunez and Eldono, Donna, I should say. Um, six Canadians on the undercard. It's the first time in four years. Pandemic, all of those sort of things. But the first time in four years that the UFC finds itself north of the border. It's finally here. It's tomorrow night. The weigh-ins are taking place today. Do not miss it. It's going to be a great, great card. Uh, Darren Haynes coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, a couple other things before we get to, before we get to Darren. Uh, locally, the three and one Calgary Surge um, in action against the three and one Ottawa Blackjacks tonight, uh, seven o'clock over Winsport. Uh, we had uh, head coach Nelson Taroba on uh, Wednesday. I love that conversation. Got a little bat into his uh, process. It's funny. Here we are talking about the, you know, the stamps in early season and, and preseason. There was no preseason for any of the CEBL teams. So I, I would almost say this is the third home game. I'm really excited to see um, what it's going to look like. I'm really going to, I think both teams are going to come in, uh, much more polished, a week of practice, a little bit of a sting, I would say, for the surge as they lost in Vancouver last Saturday night. Um, but it's going to be a good one. Make sure you're down there early. The plaza out in front of Windsport, uh, all kinds of great opportunities. Our friends from Meals from Wheels are there. There's merch. There's a beer garden. Um, the, the Zeno's there. Uh, there's all kinds. There's basketball nets provided by Kidsport. It's a great opportunity. So if you're kicking off from work or if you're taking, oh, well, by the way, you may want to bring a Sharpie with you tonight uh, because my understanding is, and, and Jack backed me up on this, but I believe one Ryan Pinder is, is attending the game. He tonight. is in attendance, okay. sadly, for everyone. There. So bring a, bring a Sharpie <laughs> if you're looking for autographs, right? Yep. Uh, other friend of the program, uh, J.D. Lewis, and actually we should have J.D. on. Talk about the UFC card, our UFC insider. J.D. Lewis is going to be there tonight. So uh, lots of the who's who of Calgary is uh, coming to the game. Um, as a matter of fact, they're so excited, they're calling me right now. Um, but I yeah. thought that was me. No, 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 no. I'm getting a phone call. You know, what, where's Rob? Well, he's doing his podcast. Well, let's call him. Um, that's how it works. Uh, anywho, uh, that's 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, Denver in Miami tonight. Uh, I don't know what to say about uh, Joe, Jokic and... Murray and, uh, you know, my thinking is they go up 3-1 on Miami, but 
Uh, we'll wait and see. Miami's at home in this one, but boy, Denver looks good. And I don't think Denver's going away anytime soon. Um, having said all of that, <clears throat> they're calling me back. <laughs> well, I wonder why he didn't pick up the first time. Maybe it's because he's on the air. So I'm just, you guys don't mind if I do this, eh? Just answer and throw it on speaker. No, no, I would never do that. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say, what time are we going to be? Oh, I'll just say call when I'm off, right? You know, it's a good thing because there used to be a, um, there used to be a, uh, a time when if that happened, I, I'd have to pay a fine. <laughs> but I just think it's so prevalent now that uh, how could you do that, right? I, I took the at least I had the at least I had the common sense to turn the ringer off, right? So it's I, not I, doing I, that. I think we need to bring that back, like a swear jar or something. Every time, every time somebody's phone, phone goes off, yeah, dollar. Because it was the hatchet last week, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, he didn't pick up. We must call him back. <clears throat> like, is that, do you do, if I call you, okay, yeah, that's good enough, right? Like, I don't have yeah. to leave a message. I don't have to text you. If yeah. I call you, you see it, you know yeah, to call. I know me. to call you back. Okay. That's, that's how it usually works. Okay. But, some people, but if I call you twice, it must be important. Yeah. That's so I'm little concerned that this is very important. Yeah. If I get three phone calls from my mom, then right. Back to back to back, back to back to back to back. Um, Toronto over Houston last night uh, in Major League Baseball. Minnesota's in Toronto tonight. Uh, probably the big story there is uh, we're all kind of watching the fallout from Alex Manoa. Um, he's down in Dunedin now. Uh, likely two rotations that he's going to be out. Um, see if he can find his stuff. Um, and and that you never know. You never know. Um, scheduled Monday and Wednesday next week is Danny Austin. And I say scheduled uh, if if the flames follow through and uh, hire a coach on Monday, it's possible that yours truly may have to give up his, uh, his other plans and come back and do his own show. The audacity of people like honest to God. I mean, come on now, Danny, but anyway, Danny, uh, at least next Monday and Wednesday is supposed to be in, but next Friday, a week from today, uh, you might want to put it in your Google calendar. You might want to ask Alexa to play this one. Uh, Peter Marr and Eric, the Hatchuk, same show. Eric, Eric, Hatchuk, Peter Marr, same show. Don't know. I, I think the Stanley Cup final might be over by then, but certainly uh, we saw it today uh, with the trade. I mean, Columbus has been real busy. Uh, they acquired Damon Severson from New Jersey for a third-round pick that, funny enough, used to be the local Hockey Heroes pick, but got to Columbus via uh, Seattle. And the other connection to Calgary is this becomes the second sign-and-trade deal in the NHL after last year's Matthew Kachuk. So Jersey gets a third round pick and, but they do a little tidy business as they sign Severson to the eight year, which he could not get with Columbus and now gets. And in the span of a couple of days, Yarmo Kukalainen has picked up Provorov from Philadelphia and now Severson, they have Wawrinski. Um, this, it feels a little like Calgary, like, we should probably rebuild, but we've got Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Lineye here. Maybe we, maybe we can't. Maybe, maybe we can't. Uh, our next guest might actually have a, an opinion on that, or, or maybe he won't. I don't know. Um, he is, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary, almost as many years in Calgary as our next guest. Uh, four locations during the winter, just one in the summertime. That's McLeod Trail by Chinook Center. But now is the time to go in and start drooling if you're like me and your winter or fall activities are what's keeping you uh you know going that's what you really kind of glomming on i cannot wait to get back on the slopes 
then why don't you go down and drool? Take a look at the equipment, take a look at the skis, take a look at the snowboards, plan what your next investment is, talk to the folks down there, get going, because before you know it, the snow will be back. Uh, of course, ski seller, snowboard, ski seller, snowboard.com. You know him, you love him as the commissioner of the uh, world famous 7HL, also works for Canadian Press, used to work for the Athletic. Friend to all, uh, friend to pets, uh, Darren Haynes joins us uh, this afternoon on Just a Game. I sure hope you can hear me because you have not moved an inch, nor have you, your emotions haven't changed. So I'm a little concerned that maybe my grandiose introduction for you just didn't land. Uh, I was more nervous about you talking about the snow coming. Um, well, it's inevitable, geez, right? Happy Friday, Rob. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, nobody can run and hide from the fact that winter will come next in the fall. That's the way it works, right? Yeah, yeah. look at beer. What's going on there? You have the Patrick Waugh thing going. Well, I'd like to think that the Patrick Waugh had the Rob Kerr thing going, but okay, we'll go your route. Um, it's mostly just laziness. I would suggest it's just, you know, I get up in the morning. It's a lot of work to brush my teeth, and it ends there. You know, personal yeah. grooming is never, as you know, personal grooming has never been a strength. May have cost me my TV career, actually. Uh, different topic for a different day. Oh, I'm sorry. Which topics would you like to, I'm sorry. Which topics would you like to begin with? I wasn't sure, actually, when you were, you were giving me that grandiose entrance, whether I was on camera or what. So I was just trying to just lay in the background, just kind of lurk. And, and I think. Where- I think anytime I begin to talk about you in any situation, you'd always, you'd always feel like there's a live mic close by. <laughs> I, I just think that that's the way you should approach your conversations with me. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. You were in the house last night for BC's 25, 15 victory over Calgary. Mm. Um, you have been in the house for a lot of these. So l- let's start here. Um, one game a season does not make and all of those sort of things, but, you know, sitting back and watching it last night, it felt like getting slapped across the face. Like, oh, man, you know, the offense couldn't do anything. The defense is stout. I'll give them that. And there's a little life in the fourth quarter, but no, nah, mm. it's it's it, it just had a almost a uh, helpless feel to it last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think the 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 the, the you got to be wary of of the fact that there's two preseason games in the CFL and there's good sides of that and there's bad sides and I'm a yeah. big promoter of less preseason anything so yeah. so I like that but I think you also you what you get with that is is sometimes you do have some slop early in the season and uh, certainly you saw some of that maybe you saw less of that from BC so maybe Maybe uh, maybe I'm just making making something up over here, but I I really think that um, they just looked a little rusty. They looked uh, disconnected, um, you know, offensively. I mean, it, it certainly set the tone when uh, Rene Paradis comes out and misses his first two field goals, and, and well within his automatic range, right? So so that was a bit of a dubious start, and um, yeah, until until they decided to go without a huddle and just uh, hurry it up. They really couldn't get anything going offensively, and um, yeah. So, but it's it's so early, and, yep. Um, yep. and and certainly you know credit to BC, they they marched the field their first couple of drives, and and old Vernon Adams looked um, looked amazing. So you know we'll we'll see where it goes, but um, yeah. But it, you know I'm concerned about how few people saw it. Now, you know that's maybe my one takeaway from that game. That was the stat that popped was was the the lack of people in the pews, if you if you will. Well. 
Yeah. Uh, and you weren't the only one because uh, our pal Danny Austin uh, of uh, the host of Live from 55, official tenants of McMahon, 17942. Um, that has to be tickets out. I don't think that would have been bums and seats. Um, it looked 13 or 14 ish to me. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think I think I think it's fair, um, and especially for for us of our vintage. Rob, I'll drag you into my pit of, of, of age. But, yes, uh, I mean you're worried. You do need to be worried about our, our, our CFL, right? Because I am. Um, yeah, I you know the, you 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 know I've observed over the years, and and I've been going to McMahon. This is my uh, this is my 39th year doing uh, the stats of the press box. It's crazy to think that I've been doing that for four full decades. Since you but were six years old. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, let's go with that. Anyway, and, and you 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 see, and what I love about it, you know, you make that drive down University Drive to the stadium, and and you see the the, the red, the pageantry, the jerseys, the old jerseys, the the hats. That like, there's so much. You know, really diehard fans, but but they're all older, like for the most part. That just it's just a, a, an audience and a crowd that's gotten a little bit older. You know, in fact. I believe scientifically they've gotten one year older every year. Um, so, so, you know, you, you know that they need to get into some younger demographics and it's just so much has changed. Like I don't go back to when I was, um, you know, a CFL fan listening to Eric Bishop do games on the radio. Like who's listening to CFL games on the radio, but that was, that was this guy, you know, I'd go out, um, I go camping and as I was an only child. So I'd be out there. And as long as I had my football, and I had a kicking tee. I was good for the whole Saturday, right? Because I, mm -hmm. whether I'm kicking field goals over the cookhouse or whether I was cooking them over the little grove of trees. Yeah. But you know, it was it was I I love my CFL and and so so but there's just so many less things to do back then and so many more things to do right now. So I think that's a big part of it. There's other factors, obviously. There's the comfort. It's so easy to stay at home now. The beers are cheaper. The parking's free. Um, the seats are wonderful, right? The, the HD replays are right there. And if you have short attention spans, um, you know, if you're on your couch, you probably saw some of the hockey game last night. You didn't if you were at McMahon, right? So you're yep. competing. You're competing with stuff all the time. So, yeah, there's a lot of things. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I hope that, um, you know, just to give you a little bit of a backstory, there, the, the new, we have a new stat system that's, that's being implemented this year. And it, it's been, it's been a bit of a battle, you know, it's a, it's a new system, but, but with an end goal of being able to uh, do a lot more with it. And one of the things is fantasy football. Yeah. And, and I hope that they can get a good quality fantasy football product out because I just, I'll use myself as an example. I became an NFL fan based on fantasy football. I was yep. always a CFL guy. I got into a pool who's your favorite team uh, whoever whoever my guys play for but then that's how i started following the players following teams and now i watch nfl every sunday so yep. i feel like there's opportunity there but um yeah i'm a little bit nervous no and, and and fair and fair um what's frustrating to me uh about my cfl journey is it felt like the first half of it was whether or not the league would see the light of day at the end of the year right yeah and and sure. And, and you know this with your experience in the media, covering the CFL is such a different experience than covering the NHL or any other sport because the people that cover it love it. I've always loved it and are big fans of the game, not the teams. I'm not saying they're cheerleaders, 
but they want it to be successful. Nobody wanted it, but it just the whole American experience and the Barracudas and the gold miners and all of that. And, you know, and David Braley owning two teams. And it just it just seemed like for the longest time it was whether or not this league would survive financially. Now it's the last two decades have been, geez, they need a video game. Uh, oh, now they need fantasy. Oh, now they need young fans. Oh, oh, oh. Um, that's my frustration. Is it all? It just feels like we're doing the same thing. We're having the same conversation year after year and nobody's making any headway. I, I, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I'm very adamant about this. This building is not good. Period. End of story. That is not a knock against the people who run it. That's not a knock against uh, Ziad and, and his staff that do the food and beverage there. It's not a knock against JK and the ticketing staff. It's not a knock against Gibby and the retail staff. They are they are buying industrial strength and size lipstick for this swine. They really, really, yeah. really, really are. But it's a terrible building and nobody ever talks about an option. Nobody ever talks about a replacement. And I feel almost resigned to the fact that I'm watching this slip away. I don't want to say I don't want it to slip away, but I'm watching it slip away. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned uh, you mentioned a lot of things there. The, the, you, the And we've always kind of I, I know I've always kind of called them. Oh, that's that's part of the charm of the CFL. Right. That, those quirks. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got American teams and you know what, just have American players. You, mm -hmm. you try that and we'll, we'll see how we can compete. Like it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a road. Like it's really been a road. Um, but you, you like to think that, that, you know, like it's just, there's so much tradition there that, that it will prevail. Uh, you know, you just want to make it just, just work. But, but yeah, they, they certainly, they're, 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 they're using, there's, there's you know, the, I mean, I, I get, I, you know, there's so many different avenues they've taken to try and grow the game. And some, you know, probably were mistakes and, and others, you know, it wasn't that long ago they were talking, you're hearing about mergers and stuff like that, which, you know, what does that do? Right. So, yeah. So, so where are we headed? Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I hear no, what no, you're I, saying. I, I, and it, it's like, I am, nobody in this city is a bigger Jay McNeil fan than me. Loved the guy, loved him when he played, loved him when he was, you know, in the alumni, loved him when he played. He played in our charity hockey game against the the cast and crew of Heartland. Uh, you know, I just love Jay McNeil. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a bright guy. I think he's a passionate guy. I think he's the right guy for this job. But I'm also, I, I would be scared if somebody asked me, what do you do? How do you fix this? Because I don't have an answer. And I usually have answers. They're mostly bullshit. Sorry, Ty. Um, but I have answers. I don't have an answer. Um, I just don't. I, I, yeah. I, I love, but I, we used to be able to wrap ourselves in the, in the cloth of, well, it's a better game than the NFL. It's more exciting than the NFL. Is it? Was last night more exciting than any NFL game you saw? Yeah, and here's another, you know, topical reference is, are the games too long? Like, is is because they're grinding out at three hours. Um, you know, baseball's shaved a half hour off their game <laughs> and, and have kind of reinvented themselves as a, you know, a 220, you know what I mean? Like, is, is I do, exactly. I never understood that. Like, it, it always struck me on the outside looking in, why, you know, if I'm paying this amount of money, make it last. But I do, now that I've worked inside the business, it's about giving the efficient product, get in, get your beers, yeah. watch your exciting action and go home. 
That's what it is. And dragging it out to your point, dragging it out. And, and a Thursday, that, that's the one thing we should know. It's not, yeah. we're not that far removed from the season beginning on Canada Day. You know, there's still kids in school right now. Yeah. Yeah. I know Thursday wasn't great for sure. Um, but it's also the season opener, right? Like, like you, you, you kind of expect there should used be to a be bump. a sellout. There used to be a bump, right? So, yeah. so the dates now that I think about, I think about the Rough Riders coming in, um, in, in about a month or so, I believe they're here for a home game. You know, we obviously have the Eskimos on Labor Day and Labor Day was always that sellout you can count on that stopped being a sellout you can count on. So what, what does that look like now? What's that going to, what, what's that attendance look like? So, so when you start off at 17 and, and, you know, I'll call it 17, even though it's probably less because you could always say it was for probably less with all the other numbers historically. So apples to apples, I think 17 is a fair number, but it wasn't 22. It wasn't 24, it was 17. And so is the next one going to be 15, you know, like, where do we go from there? Right. So yeah. So, so we'll see. Um, but um, yeah, a little, a little bit nervous about, about how that, how that's going to turn out. And, and you and I both can speak to this. One of the things that we never talk about, this is a new form of media, but this is micro broadcasting. When I had a radio show that was broadcasting, like that was, that was a big audience. This is now people choose to listen to me because they like me. So hi mom, glad you're listening again today. Uh, and about four other people. Having said that, the elimination of dinnertime sports, the elimination of late night sports, the elimination of newspapers, the elimination of true, you know, radio, all of that also plays a role in this because I don't know these players. Do you know these players? And you knew Henry Burris, you knew Nick Lewis, you knew Jermaine Copeland, you knew, you know, Joffrey Reynolds, you knew, like, it's not that long ago where those guys had profile in this city, but with the elimination of the traditional media model, that's gone away too. Sure. Yeah, you don't, you know, in, instead of that staff's practice, you have a Sun guy, you have a Herald guy, you might have a columnist from one of those two. That's three writers. You have local news. Yeah, it's it's shrunk. And 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 uh, and I love the fact that Danny Austin's got a platform now. And can, yep. and, 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 and you know, and and he 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 nobody knows the Stampeders better than Danny, right? But you know, so so hopefully that will will hopefully he can that will grow and that can kind of you know just a little be a little bit of a ripple effect from that we can get more people engaged and, and whatnot those are good signs you just hope that they can kind of be be that spark that will help grow interest wherever that interest however you can do it they just need to get more people engaged and and get people watching this game you are very good at telling me when i'm wrong or out of line on something um a lot was made the last couple of weeks and even last night about CFLs on CBS. Oh, like it's a big deal. CBS added their logo bug to the TSN broadcast down South. Oh my God. They're actually putting their name on it now. Um, I find that to be such a loss leader. I don't care. I just don't see any scenario in which getting this game into the homes in the States is ever going to keep it as, as Arashman Annie said, in between the channel it was on, in between the commercial breaks, they were showing or promoing cornhole coming up. So I, I, it, it, it strikes me as, you know, very frustrating that it seems like we get so excited about the Americans might like it. The Americans might like it. You got to worry about the Canadians liking it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's just a, an easier way to get it into the homes of the parents, parents. of the 35 imports. Right. 
Beat that to OVM. I'm still calling them imports, Rob. <laughs> uh, and again, I, 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 do we have to say it? Both of you, both of us love this league. We're not, this is not sitting here Monday morning quarterbacking it or bitching it and saying the stamps are doing something wrong. The CFL is doing something wrong. It's, it's a little bit like, you know, uh, global warming in a way. It almost feels like it's there, but I can't really control it. How can I, an individual control this, right? Like it's, it's going on. It just keeps, keeps coming. And I, I just want to wake up in the middle of the night sweating going, I've got it. I've got it. Here's the solution. We can fix the CFL so it can come back because it, my history of the CFL has always been crisis. It's always been in a crisis. This team, like people don't want to, I laugh because Regina's, you know, this juggernaut, right? I worked in Estevan, Saskatchewan. One of my jobs my first year was to go up and be part of a radio telethon to keep that team alive. So don't tell me that, you know, they've always been this juggernaut. You and I are both of the same age. We remember 50,000 people in Commonwealth on the Friday after Labor Day, right? Because the kids all got the free tickets and stuff like that. Like, you know, that's in our lifetime. And it just seems a million miles away right now. Yeah. And where else do you, where else can you do a pulse check of, of where the, where the strength of the CFL is, uh, I always point to Saskatchewan is, is kind of the, 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 you know, like Saskatchewan where it will always be great and, and a hot ticket and, and always all of that. Well, I even have relations now in Saskatchewan that are no longer going into Regina for the games that are more watching NFL games on the weekends than CFL games. So if you, my God, start to lose some of that hardcore rough rider crowd, now we've got a real issue because you know those guys should have always been the ones you have. So so that again makes me um, a little bit nervous about what what comes of that now. So certainly lots of work to do. Um, you know, do you, but, do you mind one out of the box ridiculous thing that will label I will be labeled with for the rest of my life because I had the audacity to bring it up? Question. Oh, I, I, I live for this every day. So, so hit me. What if you built a 12,000 seat stadium? What if you built a 12,000 seat stadium? Cause you, that would be a threshold in which it would be full and there'd be demand because it's one thing to fill a building, but you still want to have demand, right? Like you still want to have scalpers and you still want to have that secondary market. Is, is the size of an outdoor facility and an outdoor crowd for this league, the expectation is what it used to be, should it be? Could this league operate? It'd be a higher ticket level, slightly higher ticket level, in a 12,000-seat venue, modern venue, with all the amenities, with a sports book, with restaurants, with enough washrooms and everything like that. Could it work? Or do we still need to scratch claw and try and get back to 30,000 a game? I, I understand economics. I understand all of that. But is the fact that outdoor sports might be shrinking? In, I, can't, I can't say that because soccer's growing. But you know what I'm trying to say here, Darren? Yeah. Yeah. Where's like, where, where's the gate? What's, what, what, you know, with the CFL, how important is that gate? Like, what's, that's the first thing you got to figure out, right? Is that, uh, are you, you know, if you're, if you're taking, like, even if we were to say there was, 15,000 there last night is still on a Thursday. If, if you're already down 3000 headcount. Right. Um, but there's student zone tickets 
and there's other tickets. So there's, there's a whole bunch of discounted tickets, right. Yeah, in the marketplace. Yeah. And there might yeah. be, you know, for the most part, CSEC really does not do a lot of papering. I know that to be a fact. So I don't, I think that's legit, but there's lots of deals, right? Like there's lots yeah. of deals out there. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. You know, it's, it's the same concept of trying to kind of make the seats that you have worth more, right? I remember them covering up the nosebleed seats in the silo dome for a while there, trying to kind of build up the value of those that had tickets, you know, like, like that's, that, that happens. That's a thing that, that happens. And, and I can see, um, you know, I, I can see the, and it's certainly more practical to build something like that. You know, like there's, what would be the appetite to build a 50,000 seat stadium, 40,000 seat stadium based on a, you know, there's, you know, it just it doesn't make any sense. Right. So, well, unless you're, you know, you have certain events right now in the world that, you know, the Olympics, soccer, there are certain sports that can fill those venues. Right. In Canada, I'm going to say, yeah, but you, you are hard. Yeah. Don't, you know, I don't care who you are. You're hard pressed to tell me outside of brand new buildings in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, you're hard pressed to tell me that you can draw. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, more than... 20,000 on an early season CFL game. And right. there's still lots of seats and there's still lots of inventory. Would right. you be better off creating a, ba uh, you know, a demand for inventory? Yeah. And it's that incremental cost. Like, do you want to go through that huge incremental cost to be able to be on the list to potentially get a, you know, a, world cup qualifier or whatever that might be or do you just kind of build your twelve thousand seat and and uh this is the stamps house make it that that's their that's their place and and um yeah so it's i i don't think it was as terrible an idea as you thought it might be no well <laughs> just because you know it's it's almost heresy at some points right like you know i i remember when it was heresy 
for people to say, well, I'm not going to go to a playoff game because it might snow. What do you mean? That's when you put the fur coat on. That's when we put the Mickey in the bottle. That's when we, you know, we've got this car battery that we hook up to this seat and it keeps your ass warm. Uh, you know, there used to be this almost this uh, challenge of, sure. I mean, it's snowing. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And we're not that society anymore. Good, no. bad, or indifferent. We're not that society anymore. No, no. We know in this city that when the going gets rough weather-wise or conditions around you, sometimes <laughs> that doesn't make you tougher. That, that, that the opposite happens. So, right. yeah, right. I'm, I'm with you. No, I, I, I don't have much to add other than it was one game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm worried. Um, but happy that a guy like Jay McNeil's on the job and, you know, I hope Jay can, if knowing Jay, if he has to go knock on everybody's door in the city and, and get, and do it that way, he'll do it. So let's give him a little bit of work, but, um, you know, things aren't looking really good in Edmonton right now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a struggle, my friend. I don't want it to be, but it is. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, when, when last we spoke, uh, I don't believe that the Calgary Flames had a general manager. They subsequently have found one. Um, you're, you know, everybody's had a crack at it. You've written about it. You've tweeted about it. Um, I, I did find it somewhat amusing last week that they chose not to, uh, uh qualify five drafted players from a couple years ago. And as you rightfully pointed out, uh, people started to get on Conroy's case over that, 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 that was the true litmus test of his new, uh, new job title is that he didn't qualify five kids out of the, out of the draft. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's probably some that more so, you know, like it's, it's easy. I think there's so much frustration right now around this hockey team still lingering um, that, that any opportunity to pile on is, is taken, um, <laughs> you know, you go back to that draft. The thing is, is, is if you have, so you have five players that they didn't qualify. Well, they didn't qualify them for a reason, right? Like this isn't a team in the market of throwing back guys. They think will be stars, right? Like why there's no motivation to do that. Right. So if you legitimately don't think that there is futures in these players, um, then, then why go through the exercise? Why tie up a, a spot in the dressing room in the AHL, a spot, one of your contracts for the next three years, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like one of the big, you know, I'll give you a parallel example. Um, you know how the, the college players, you have these kind of college signings that happen kind of after the college season ends, right? And these are always these in-demand players and, and Calgary's won the bidding war a few times on some of these guys. And well, so A, we sometimes forget that they also weren't drafted originally. So this is kind of like the best of what's out there and still free, right? Yep. So it doesn't mean they're great stars. It's just they're yep. the best of what's out there and don't belong to anyone. Yep. So that's one thing. But the second thing is, so so sometimes these guys will think they're really getting away with something and their agent has worked some magic when they get that whole, you know, this guy finishes four years at Ohio State or, or, or Minnesota or wherever and they're 23 years old and they're going to, and they've agreed to sign if, if, Calgary will burn that first year of their contract. And because of their age, often it's a two-year entry-level contract, right? So they'll burn that first year. I think the team is well disguised that, oh, no, okay, you win. We'll cave into that. But secretly, they love it because players that age 
they know they they only need a year to know whether there's a future yep. there and they hate yep. having those guys around for two years if they already know after one or yep. after after half a season that yep. he just doesn't have nhl in his future right so i i think back and i, I take that parallel back to those 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 uh draft picks um yeah if there's not a future there bringing them in for three years what there's no real point right like you know cut cut your losses and i I, and there's an asterisk that goes with that draft like that was there was no ohl season the year before there were abbreviated q q q and jhl seasons yeah like everything was different right so yeah so i think that was uh and, and also when it comes to conroy this is not conroy deciding on that day like this is stuff that's been probably well known anyway right oh like yeah, a, yeah yeah an yeah. organization decision right so yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me yeah the rumor on the street um you uh jack's got the uh thing from elliot um elliot kind of got everybody's attention last night you were at mcmahon stadium but the the rest of the world all of a sudden you know st- stood straight up uh, that ryan huska um, is the inside choice that the, the, the lead dog, whatever you want to say, he's not hired yet. And he wasn't saying he was going to be hired. He just inside track. Um, so thoughts on that thoughts on, you know, on Huska versus it feels like, and, and you have a better pulse on this than I do feels like it's Huska versus love. Yeah, it does feel like it'll be an internal first tiny hire. I, I mean, I think at some point the fact that they're already invested that 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 four million plus in the old guy, that's that's going to impact. It's going to impact the budget. I, I think we're we're sitting our tongues if we say it's not right. Yeah, it has to. Um, so so, but I I don't think I don't think it's. I think you're doing a huge injustice to just say that's why uh, Ryan Huska would be hired. Twenty one years he's been coaching has not had an NHL head coach job. And, and he's on a path that is supposed to take you directly to that. Assistant coach in the WHL, head coach in the WHL, assistant or head coach in the AHL, now assistant coach in the NHL, right? So so he has been like, this is this is a guy that this is the opportunity he's been waiting for. And it's very similar to Conroy, to be honest, right? It, like, very similar, yeah. Very similar. So. So yeah, so so news of that, you know, I, I don't think it should be a surprise. I think the internal candidates were always going to be uh, be right up there in the running. I think for a guy like Craig Conroy, who knows Huska very well, they've been in the same organization for nine years since Huska arrived. That um, you know, it's it's it would be really tough for him to not lean towards a guy that he knows and knows really well and and has had success, right? And when I say has success, I've had a couple people today say, well, look at his win loss record. <laughs> the, you know, I would say go and read anything I've ever written about the AHL, talking to management, talking to the coach. They have a priority in the AHL, and it's not how many wins do they have at the end of the season. It's how many guys they can ultimately get to NHL quality so they can either be in the Flames lineup, can be traded as an asset, or used yep. as an asset to bring in something else that they need or whatever, right? And um and, and there's a lot of names on that list. Uh, if, you, if his four years in the AHL, there's the obvious ones, Shillington, Manjapani, Anderson, but then Garnet Hathaway, uh, Ryan Lomberg is still playing hockey right now. He came. He was he back when his junior coach. He was back yeah. when his junior coach. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's 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 helped uh, get a bunch of guys to the NHL, and um, and I think from a different you know, when you talk about they need a new voice or a different voice, they need different energy. 
this guy is the complete opposite of the last guy in terms of his demeanor, his communication. Like, you know, I, like I've really enjoyed always my dealings with Ryan Husky is very, very thoughtful, very, very, uh, he's a great communicator. And, um, you know, I, I think when you have a, someone like that, that's right under your nose, you, you, you certainly have to give him a really long look because otherwise he's going to be coaching somewhere else. And he might be just like some of the players that sometimes get away. He might be the coach that got away. It, it And Jack just threw up uh, Mitch Love. Like Mitch Love's a, this is a rapid riser. Like this is John Cooper like, right? John Cooper went really quickly from the USHL into the American Hockey League into the NHL, I believe anyway. But you look at it like, you know, three years as a head coach in Saskatoon. One of those years was in the bubble, right? And then, uh, you know, one uh, or two years in the American Hockey League. All he did was win AHL Coach of the Year. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm I'm just saying he's the shiny toy now. But it wasn't that yeah. long ago when Huska was the shiny toy, right? And and I don't ever remember that. You're much better at the history of this club than I. I do not ever remember the Flames having this situation with internal candidates. They had Jim Playfair, but I don't think Ryan or I don't think Rich Preston was really at that point in Rich Preston's career. I don't think he was threatening to be a head coach. And he kind of had that run in the Western League sort of thing. So Jimmy Playfair, you had one. Um, I'm trying to, th- you know, outside of that, it, it, they don't really tend to go or haven't gone internally that often. But this is kind of a unique place for this organization to have two viable, viable mm-hmm. candidates internally, not cheap candidates viable candidates yeah yeah no and 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 if it wasn't for ryan huska being right there under their nose um you know i think mitch love is is a, is a great candidate um you know why is kale mcclain not in this conversation just you know it's shorter shorter resumes all around right shorter in the nhl shorter you know um but i like it's a fair a it's a fair, it's a fair I, yeah. Yeah, it's a fair question. So you, you, you could make you, know, you, you could make the case they actually have three viable because if you if you interviewed Kale McLean for the head coaching job, nobody would look at if you interviewed me for the head coaching job, they'd want your you know your head on a stick, right? Like you you would be, you know, you, you would get serious attention from medical professionals. But if you brought in Kale McLean, nobody would nobody would bat an eye. So you really have three viable candidates. And yeah, I suppose like if you put if I suppose if you want to put uh uh um Oh, I'm blank. Kirk Muller in there. You have four. Yeah. Yeah. Is there room, do you think, to um, to to do both? Could you bring in Huska as head coach and, and promote Mitch Love? I, I don't know if he wants that. Mitch Love may 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 be on more of a, a head coach trajectory and uh, and maybe and maybe not. But I'm just wondering if that might be a scenario that that they would entertain, whether it's this year or next year. Work for um, Huska. All right. Well, we think it's going to work for Huska. I shouldn't say. Yeah. But. But, but to me, he, and, and maybe it's just in my mind, he, Mitch Love feels more like John Cooper, right? Like he's the it kid. Like he's the it, you know, uh, Spencer Carberry was the it guy when he was in Hershey. Right. And, yeah. but he went, he became an assistant. It was uh, either Craig Button or Eric DeHatchek was saying that don't underestimate the value of going to the American hockey or the NHL as an assistant, just to see what the NHL experience is. For sure. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. The other thing that uh, the other thing I think that's interesting with with Huskin, where he brings a lot of experience. And when I say this, I don't mean things that he's going to he's going to emulate all these guys. But think of all the, the coaches 
in Calgary that he's worked with, either beside or closely with while he was still in Adirondack or Stockton, right? You yep. go back to Bob Hartley, then you get Glenn Gullitson, then you've got most recently Daryl Sutter, you Bill Peter, like there's a there's an assortment of 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 people there, different styles, different ways of of coaching, different ways of 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 you know HR managing your employees or your players, right? Like he will have seen a lot of of what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, you know, and I think you bring a lot of when you have your eyes open and you you have an opportunity to see others do their thing and, and see, and sometimes when you're in the middle of doing your thing, you can't see, but he you it's a little easier for someone else to see what's working and what's not. I think um, as, as a guy that strikes me as very sharp, very shrewd, that I think there's a lot of, of learnings he's probably picked up, good to know kind of things that he's picked up over the time and, and to be able to get an opportunity to kind of apply those. Um, I, I would be fascinated to see that. So, so uh, yeah, so that's, uh, so you certainly have to stay close on, on that one and see where this one leads. And again, this is all speculation at this point based on uh, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet's reporting and very respectful of the work that Elliot does. He does not miss on a lot. Um, to, let me play devil's advocate on two things with you. And, sure. and Peter Marr brought it up, I believe, last week. Can you go from being the good cop to being the bad cop? And I know that's such a, a cliche and it's not, it's shades of gray. It's not black and white like that. But, you know, Jimmy Playfair, I, I still think Jimmy Playfair is one of the most effective assistant coaches I've ever seen. The, the work that he did with that blue line in 04, considering what it was composed of. Um, yet when he went to head coach, it, he really seemed to struggle. Now, different in the sense that the guy that Husk is replacing is not still in the organization. And I think that hurt Jimmy. Yeah. But is sure. there any, is there any concern of, of, especially, especially with what, what is common knowledge now, this was a divided dressing room, Yeah. right? This was one side versus the other side. Can you, can you be a guy that was in that and fix that? Yeah, no, you, I, you don't know for sure. No one, I, if, if I was to say here that for sure that won't happen, I'm lying. Because you don't know, there's an element of don't know there. Absolutely, there is, and it's no different than in 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 our you know every walk of life, right? Whether you're the guy who who was a who was a great salesperson who became the sales manager, and now you had to yeah. boss around the guys that you used to go out drinking with every Friday night. Like, can you do that? Can you separate, right? So so it, there's a and to being now the person. So yeah, and oh man, you know to to i'm just speculating but i'm pretty sure that good cop hat he had to he probably went through three or four of those hats last year just <laughs> trying to <coughs> trying to uh you know keep things uh keep things uh you know uh, you know just keep the lines open right so so i imagine that uh yeah so so that for sure that that that's going to be a caveat that's going to be one of those unknowns uh, i don't know you can't say he he, he won't be able to handle that and, and you can't say he will be able to handle that. That's that would just have to remain something that is a wait and see. But but for me, when I I think about about him as a a person and just how he's wired, just I I just feel like he's such a even keel, very methodical kind of like communicator that I feel like like there's a way to kind of get people on board for him to really be candid with those saying, look, you know, I'm going to need, you know what I mean? Like, I think I that, that, that will, that will help him uh, in, in making that jump. Right. 
yeah but I can certainly certainly that's a fair that's a fair thing to to wonder about so completing this circle if Elias Lindholm is not here in two years does that mean that Craig Conroy failed to get the coach that he wanted that Lindholm wanted yeah um you know what no. I'm saying? Like, it's just the way this, but it's the way this whole summer has yeah. gone, right? Like, yeah. you know, no, I, Craig I Conroy says he, he wants Lynn, like he's prioritized Lindholm. Lindholm's said he's, you know, going to, uh, to me, I don't think you can bait and, and I, you know, I'll argue my own point. I don't think you can ever base it. I got frustrated when I heard, oh, they ought to hire Brunette because Huberto yeah. played really well for that. That's overplayed. That's right? an overplayed hand. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like, oh my God, let's bring in, yeah, no, at, at, at some point. Yeah, that's, I'm with you there. No, you know, there, there, there are going to be, yeah, like, like there's opportunity for whoever the head coach is there, I think, to, mm-hmm. to fresh start. I think, I think fresh starts, uh, I, I, I would suspect that, that, that Jonathan Huberdeau is, is, is willing to, is looking forward to a fresh start. And um, I don't think you need to be a Jonathan Huberdeau apologist or, or promoter or his agent to be able to coach him, right? Like I think there's isn't that I the think, title of his isn't that the title of his agent? Apologist <laughs> and promoter? I suppose so. But he's not getting the job of head coach, I don't think, but we'll see what Alan <laughs> that, that's true. If you really wanted to appease him, you should have made Alan Walsh the head coach, right? <laughs> uh, and all all kidding aside, I feel bad. I I don't even know Jonathan Huberto and I've I've had a lot of conversation at the expense of his agent just because I just didn't, you know, and, and you've covered this team even longer than I have. This was such a strong or strange season, strange season for oh, yeah. things becoming public and, and stuff like that, that just not to say it never happened. I'm not saying that, but it, some of it that saw the light of day, just, it was weird. Yeah. But it, it does speak to the growing, the growing um, power of the player. Like, ah. like it, it, there's, there's this, there's more influence there and you can hate it and you can fight it. But the reality is it is re- the reality is it's reality, reality, what a terrible quote, but that, that, yeah. that is, you know, I mean, that's, that's the world we live in now. And, and these guys have a seat at that table because they make a ton of I'm, money. I'm glad you brought that by the way, uh, Cracker Jack ace uh, producer um, Jack has just come up with this. How about this one? Okay, Who Huska was assistant coach on the 2012 U20 team with Jonathan Huberto. So maybe wow. he did get the coach he wanted. <laughs> right? Uh, so Huberto would have been uh, what's that? 18 year old. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Jack just never stops. He just never Dude. ever stops. You bring up a really interesting point, and I actually had it written down here. So you're talking about the modern player, right? Yeah. Um, Rick, I, uh, Rick Bell, not to be confused with Rick Ball, Rick Bell wrote a very interesting article in Post Media about the players being snowflakes. Um, you are a social media maven. You're all over it. You would have seen there's no shortage of people who <coughs> had Daryl's back, right? Yeah. That this is this is a young player. We had Anthony Cox in here last 
a week, 25 year season ticket holder, a lawyer. And he, he was the first guy that ever really wrote out his intro, which was fantastic. He really made it easy on me. Um, but he was talking about it from a fan's perspective and he got right to the cusp of saying, you know, it's a bunch of woke young players. Let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about wokeness or morality or young players or whatever. I think that's a really important conversation to have. I like Daryl Sutter. I consider Daryl Sutter a friend. I don't know if he considers me a friend, but I consider him a friend. And, and I've seen him doing amazing things in this community. Um, I certainly don't, didn't endorse the fact that he didn't have a captain. I didn't like some of that stuff. And I also know that he's, he can be hard on players. He's a hard ass coach. And it's really brought up, you know, with Mike Babcock now potentially going back to Columbus, it to me has really brought up this interesting conversation about, okay, hard ass, players coach, wokeness, old time, you know, all of this stuff. Where, you know, mental health comes into this, right? You know, we were never concerned about mental health of players five years ago, but now it's, you know, we have to be legitimately and we have to be of the staff and everything. It, was that part of this, Darren, do you think, was it part of a clash of, of uh, ages, you know, generations? Was this a generational clash, clash this year? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, I, I think there is. I think you would be, you're, you're blind if you're not saying, if you're not, the, the game and the players have changed. The, the world has changed, right? Like what, what's okay and what's not okay has changed, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and I also think it's fair to say that while he may have evolved some of his um, maybe uh, approach to style of play and whatnot, I think there was probably a lot of coaching how I've always coached that we saw out of Daryl Sutter and that maybe didn't follow that same evolution. So, you know, I, I think there is. So I think that's completely fair to say. And, um, you know, and, and, and there's going to be, you know, where is some of that grumbling coming from? It's probably coming, coming from, from people our age or yep. older yep. That, that, you know, that, that have that attitude or have seen that and that's who they are because that's what we know, right? That's how we were raised or whatever, right? Yep. So, yep. yeah, no, I, I think that's completely, I think that's, you know, I think that's, you know, that, that, that's, a, I think that's a fair way to describe what's probably happened and, and why you do need to be cognizant of that, you know, in, in, in that next hire and knowing that, uh, you know, like you do need to, and it's not just the managing of personalities. It's also the, the approach to, you know, I think um, you know, Don Maloney or Conroy, one of them mentioned how, how, you know, you also need to play younger players now. You also yeah. need to yeah. insert those guys into your line because, you know, there was a time, you know, I always point to the Grand Rapids, Grand, Grand, Grand Rapids. You, they had some amazing teams where future Detroit Red Wings were down there for three or four full seasons. And then the, ring, the, the Red Wings were really successful. That's not this time anymore. The salary cap won't allow that. You no. need those players to be yeah. in the NHL quicker. You need young in your lineup. So you yeah. need it. Um, you, you need it from a uh, um, uh, from a cap perspective. But you also they're also more skilled than they used to be. So they can be in the NHL sooner because this is a different player. Like it's crazy how much 
and this is the only, you know, like you think about, like I know some guys that are hardcore about their kids' hockey development, and it is skills camp, skating camp. It's it's all these things all summer. Like we're building a better hockey player at a younger age now, and so you have to accept that, right? So there's so much of the game has changed, whether it's the players, whether it's the attitudes, whether it's the whole surroundings. And I, I think that you know the 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 coach that's overseeing this has to be cognizant of of all that stuff right like well i think i think on our your first visit with us we talked about you know matt phillips was you know for me that was the failing and yeah. not that matt phillips was the is the savior and matt phillips may never play in the nhl full-time but he never got the shot and daryl just to your point about grand rapids in detroit he is from that ilk of your first year as a pro, you're in the American Hockey League. The second year as a pro, you get a taste of the NHL. The third year as a pro, you finally, in the middle of the year, you go up and you don't come back, right? David Moss, Eric Nystrom, those are the two examples I would give, right? In the American League, in the American, and in, in up, down, up, down, and now they're in. You can't do that anymore. Pelche should not have sat for six games. Pelche should not have sat at the end of the year. Sorry, you're fighting for your playoff lives. Oh, okay, well, you had me up until you put Nick Ritchie in the shootout. Yeah. Right? Which was it? You were fighting for your playoff lives or you're trying to prove a point. And I, I just think it was that dysfunctional towards the end. It just felt dysfunctional. Right. Yep. So no, I, I'm fascinated by that conversation. Um, because I think there are people who go, no, the you know, the players aren't tough. Brent Cron was in here a couple of days ago and he, you know, he wasn't gonna cut any slack to the players. Um, whereas I think I just my anxiety would have gotten to me if it was going in that dressing room every day and you're living on pins and needles. Don't you think your anxiety would have got to you? Don't you think it would have had an adverse effect on your mental health? If yeah, we're being you, honest. Yeah. And you can, you could feel that you could feel that like nobody likes going to work wherever that is. That could be dairy queen. That could be downtown Calgary. Nobody likes to go to work and hate going to work. Right? Like that's hard. That's really hard on you. That's why I feel bad for Jack, <clears throat> our producer. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So that's 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 uh, like like that's that's the reality. And, and so yeah. so they, they they address that. And, and like you need to, they need to start having fun. You've got to create that. That's got to be part of the workplace culture. You're, you're going to need that. And and that's not. And and so just to be super clear, you know this this whole thing that we're talking about. That doesn't mean that they don't need a little bit more out of Jonathan Huberdeau. They don't need more. Out of oh, no, 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 no. It's not about They're not the off the hook. No, 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 no. Right? No, no. So just, you know, we're not saying that. But, but you know, but so, yeah, do they need to kind of, do they need to step up their game and bring a little bit more to the table? And, and maybe, it maybe, you know, like maybe it's not perfect, but you've got to make the most of it. Yeah. For sure, but I think there's definitely give on both sides. Yeah, and I agree with that, and I th that's a good point. But I would say that this was such an underwhelming season that I believe there is, you know, redemption on the other side. You know, I do. I think that Jonathan Huberdeau is a sixty-point player. No, I don't. Do I think that Jonathan Huberdeau likely needs to be handled differently? Yes, I do. <laughs> Sorry, that's how I do. Nazem Kadri, he was your all-star. Sorry, I, I I'm not going to pick on him. Uh, I just look at a handful of players and I go, was it coming to work every day? And, and you might not even have been the target, but your buddy might've been the target or it just, you don't like tension. Like, sorry. 
that's a reality of this situation. So now it's up to Huska, who was your, your point earlier was in this. Now he's got to come up with the formula to do both of the things, bring everybody back onto the same page, but hold Huberdo and some of these other guys accountable for soft years or bad years. Yeah, and right? you got to play and play to their strengths, right? Like a lot of this season and usage, I I went back to an example. To me, it's a shiny example. You have, you know, there's a lot of people maybe too young to remember it, but Greg Gilbert and Mark Savard. Yep. And Mark Savard would get a chance to to center Jerome McGinley, and the magic was there. But then. Mm-hmm. Greg Gilbert was never satisfied with his defensive game. We got to get no, so he's going to put him down on the line. He's going to put him on the fourth line. He's going to always grinding at Savard to be a better defensive player, and and Savard was what he was. He was a guy. So set him up to be what he could be. It's not to give him a free pass defensively, but at least set him up to be. And so he was never content with that. Always tried to well, turn him into something he wasn't. Right. And then they ended up having to move him for you know who the great oh, Russian. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Tara Tukin. No, for <laughs> the new <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I uh who was Ruslan. Ruslan. Uh, uh Zanulin, right. Ruslan Zanulin. <laughs> um still, who is still on the uh for the longest I'm not sure about this year, but for the longest time for sure up until last year was still on the on the list of scratching. oh yeah that that the big giant list yeah 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 I know what you're talking about that that is ah. right I know exactly what you're talking about um to that end though um I guess and a name that we haven't brought up we should talk a little bit about his new job I love Brad Trilling I I think the human being and the the person I I. I've got so much to thank him for. And, and he was so nice to me and great and helped me and stuff like that. And, and as a general manager, I think he did the best he could under the circumstances. Um, he did not hire this coach, this last coach. Uh, he worked for an owner that, that won't allow you to say rebuild and things like that. So you have certain, you know, uh, parameters to the job, curbs mm-hmm. to the job. But the one thing, if I am critical of Brad Living of, is I always felt like, and, and and I, you know, I could be completely proven wrong and you may disagree. I always thought he gave too much power on player decisions to his coaches. I go back to Bob Hartley, didn't like Sven Berchi, so they got rid of Sven Berchi. Well, a month later, they're going, we have no skill on the wing. Yeah, well, you just traded it, right? Now, oh, but he's this, he's that. Injuries and all that, we don't know what would happen. But I, I always, I didn't like that. I thought Bob Hartley made that decision. I think, you know, we saw it. Uh, especially with Daryl this year that, you know, he, it was his show. I, I just always felt like Brad was just, he always allowed the coach maybe too much leeway on player decisions. I would hope that that's something that, that Craig won't do that, that Craig will, you know, stand a little firmer, be a little bit more, you know, from, uh, you know, from his perch with Huska go, no, you know, we're going to, we're going to see this through. We're going to give Dustin Wolf 10 games here, not, you know, 10 starts over three months or whatever. Um, I just, I never liked the fact that it seemed like the coach had way too much power on player decisions. Yeah. But to your point earlier of who maybe hired that coach, like is, are you, are you also, you know, up against not just the coach on some of the stuff, if the coach has got the backing, you know what I mean? Like it it felt like you're in a pretty tough spot. Yeah. This year for sure. But that's why I brought up the, the example with Hartley. 
that one really still sticks in my craw. I yeah. Bob Bob didn't like Sven. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't like Sven. They both co they both were over in the Swiss League at the same time, or he was in Switzerland at the same time. Whatever reason, Bob Hartley didn't like Sven Berchi. And then they got rid of Berchi. And I, you know, maybe it came to a head this year with Matt Phillips and some other decisions. Um, certainly they're gonna have to decide on a goaltending. I I like I think Dan Vladar is a great guy, and I think he's capable of maybe being a one or one A, but I just don't see him here in the fall. I, I don't think they have a choice. I think they have to open up yeah. a space for Wolf, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you need, and, and Conroy, I thought was very candid about this mm -hmm. and he was so candid that it, it didn't leave much the imagination in terms of what he didn't see last year. And that is cohesion between the manager and the coach. Yeah. Uh, like he, he, he wants that to be, that's like a, like joint, like they're on board, everything, everything like signings, recalls um plant like they he wants to be connected they need to they need to have the same like it's that's that's where you get dysfunction is when the guy bringing in the players um has this vision and sees this and the coach has is on a completely different page like that's then you get these weird things where phillips comes up and you can't get in the lineup well why did they bring him up right like you know, you start connecting the dots on what was going on behind the scenes. And, and, and I don't think we were that far off. Right. No, no. So, no. so yeah, so they, that, that, you know, that, uh, so, so Conroy needs to bring in a coach that, that, that sees things the same way and they need to work together. And he, do you put a do not disturb on Murray Edwards door or what, whatever, but they need to get together and they wow. need to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to defend Murray, but I, and I won't, I mean, I I've met him a couple of times, you know, we, he's the reason there's a team in Calgary. Let's not forget that, you know, it's, it's his team. Um, but he's like, like, let's talk about Bill Foley in Vegas, shall we? Let's talk about, you know, Bradshaw living jumps from here. Oh, he wanted to get away from Murray Edwards. Did he? Did he? Now he, you know, now he's a, you know, MLSE and, and, you know, he's running the Shanna plan. That's, you know, what's his name in Vancouver? What's his name up in Edmonton? That's the reality of all of this, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Murray Edwards puts his skin in the game. He gets to make his decisions. I don't have to agree with him. You don't have to agree with him. The general manager doesn't have to agree with him. Guess what? He's the ultimate say in all of this. And I, I, part of me, you know, wanted to build this narrative of this, crazy owner who you know is going to put his coach out there in front of the you know screw you we're gonna nope he listened to what don maloney had to say he listened to and don maloney probably listened to potential candidates and what they had to say and they made the decision that they made right yeah. so yeah. it's part it's part of it's part of being it's part of the job description now yeah 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 and and, and let and, and you know and I, I you saw the damon severson trade today right in yeah, yeah, just just a little. Doesn't while. that doesn't that feel like the flames? <laughs> we could rebuild, but you know what? Instead, let's go out and two big defensemen this week. You know, um, they give up a third overall pick. That's not much, but they now they've got Damon Severson tied up for eight years. They got Probarov earlier in the week. They got Warinsky. They've got Johnny Gaudreau. They've got you know. So they're going to get the third overall pick, but that's not a rebuild anymore. Right? Doesn't that feel very Calgaryish? Yeah, yeah. That's that's um, you know that's that's the only that's difference is they're not they're, they're not the find a way jackets. 
but know, it's the same, way. right? Yeah, I mean, it was it, when it was the same way here. You know, you go back to the Hamannick trade when they traded for Hamannick, right? Like they felt that they were a piece away. Now I don't know. That's pretty grandiose of Columbus to think they're a piece away, but. Uh, well, I don't think know. Columbus thinks they're a piece away. I just think Columbus thinks that they're not going to go through four or five years of rebuild. Right? No, no. But as they keep adding pieces, you know, and then, hey, there's going to be that thinking. A, I think we're doing an enormous disservice. I get that Florida snuck in this year. I get that Florida was a point behind Calgary. I get all that. I tweet about that. It's kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun. But they also won the President's Trophy last year. I think this is a team that underachieved uh, most of the season. Oh, I think they were the Calgary of the East. Yeah, so 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 now they're in. So so as much as the Florida getting in is going to really galvanize the just get in people, and some of those people will be in NHL management and NHL ownership. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the accurate portrayal of Florida. I think there is more there than um than, do you than think kind do you of, think there's then more... matthew kachuk is talking about oh like we are the super underdog like he is playing that card up so hard that it's us against the world we're the super underdog it's like come on just pump it yeah but we were you and i were talking about the cfl early that was remember uh coach riley in winnipeg right he'd have those really good winnipeg teams that beat the crap out of the east and then nobody likes us everybody hates us Right. That was just it, it grinds on you after a while. Like, please, you've been the top team for nine years in a row. Screw <laughs> off. Um, and so are you are you alluding to the fact that you think Calgary's, you know, and to, to me, Calgary underachieved this year. Markstrom underachieved. There's a lot of guys that underachieved. Um, yes, I know they don't have the superstars anymore. I get that. But the superstars that they got underachieved, I think this team needs sh- should come into camp with high expectations and needs to be held to those high expectations. Sure. They, sh- they should be a playoff team. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't disagree with that. Okay. I mean, we're also sitting here in in June. But this is when you make the boldest predictions. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think I see. And and to be honest, that's that's a bit of a bit of a a bit of a journey as a Calgary Flames fan. The overachieving, then the underachieving. The overachieving, then the underachieving. Oh no, you're abs. So is your solution they underachieve again this year? <laughs> Just, just, just to, just to throw a monkey wrench into the, into the formula, change it up. Oh, this is so much better. They're bad again. Um, no, but, I, but, but, and I've said this about this organization. They're safe. They're safe. They're in the middle. They're always in the middle. They're always in the middle, right? They're safe. Yeah. They could be a playoff team, Ah, but they might miss. Ah, they could be a playoff. You know what we ought to do? We ought to put pictures of our players all coming into the rink. That's cool. Yeah, but gritty. Look at gritty. Look at what gritty's doing. Like, take a risk every once in a while. And and to me, you know, I hope Craig, you know, and again, go back to ownership, but they'll allow it. But be a little risk adverse here. But didn't you know. couldn't you th- couldn't you say the last GM took some risks? Swung that bat is the phrase he used to use. Um, he swung that bat. What what I'd like to know, and again, I go back to that Mike Russo article in the Athletic, the Zucker trade. Yeah. That scares me. How did that? Is that the only one in nine years that happened that way, or are there other things that got kiboshed? Um, I I think last summer they uh, like, dude. I think there was four days or three days between 
Kachuk and Goudreau leaving where I think everybody thought this thing was just going to run itself into the ground. Nobody buy a ticket ever again. It'd be zero people in the building just mm-hmm. because it just felt so bad. And then he went out and he hit this freaking home run. Not only did he hit a home run, these guys are better than those guys. This is a better team and all of that, right? And they needed that. They desperately needed that. Even just from a business standpoint, to sell tickets, to sell suites, to sell all that stuff, it, it would have been a it would have been a mausoleum if if the Flames didn't do anything last summer. So yes, I think he did. I think he is a riverboat gambler, but I think you got to take some risks. You know, your cap like you, you have to have a captain this year. That's not a risk, by the way. But it might be a risk. That's if you're a gonna... coach. That's a coach thing, is it not? That's not a GM thing. That's a coach. no, no. I but but. Surely to God, the GM said, shouldn't we have a captain? Right? Like, you think that, I don't know if that coach is listening to much. Uh, no, I don't. I think that, I think that this past year was clear. He was not yeah. listening to much. I think that's why the GM at the end of the year said, okay, thank you very much. I'm leaving. He yeah. wasn't fired. Like, let's not forget that Brad Living was not fired. Yeah. He left on his own accord. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why the decision was made to move on from the coach. And God bless the coach. He's got two Stanley Cups. You and I combine our Stanley Cups and we don't have two. Right? Yes, I'm glad you did. Glad you stopped and did the mental math on that. I just want to make sure that that, that is actually correct. Uh, no, and Daryl, is Daryl Sutter a Hall of Famer as a coach? Yep. I think so. I think so. And I just think it, I just think it was the end of the road. That's all. Mike, you know, Mike Keenan, when we saw Mike Keenan, and, and I think Daryl Sutter's a better coach than Mike Keenan, and I, that may be an unpopular opinion, but I think he was. Uh, and I think he was even a more effective coach still even to this day, knowing what happened than Mike Keenan was in his two years in Calgary. I think that was a joke, a sham. It should have never happened. Right? Yeah, no, no, it just, uh, it just, um, you know, it's, it, it, there's different, it's just different eras, different eras, yep. things evolve, and, 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 and it doesn't make a, a coach that was great in one era a terrible coach just because he, he couldn't transition or didn't transition as well in a new era. Yep. Yep. Um, before I let you go, you've been very kind with your time today. Um, I, I mentioned his name. Thoughts on Brad Tree Living taking over the snake pit in Toronto? Uh, I like Brad. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I think he'll, uh, you know, he's going to have some fun with it. Like he, I, I think, um, you know, it's it's a good challenge. It's a huge challenge, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think he's got the good demeanor for it. Um, I think it's it's going to be, um, you know, it's always nice to to go in to a market where, where they haven't had success that, that allows you an opportunity to, to, you know, you, you don't want to be the guy that comes in after they won the Stanley cup, right? Like that's, that's, that's tough. So, so there's opportunity there. No, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. This is it's, it's to you said, you know, there's going to be perhaps different governors, different pressures, hotter, there'll be hotter burners. In different places um you know it, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy it's uh he's got he's got some some decisions to make with that lineup uh but um you know i'm, I'm fascinated to see him play out i i I'm, I'm glad that that it worked out for him to you know i i you know I, i'm glad it worked out for him to 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 get another gig and and to keep going like this is this is a guy that i think um you know i just look at 
uh, is, 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 you know, and, and yeah, there was, there was mistakes. You'll be the first guy to say he made mistakes. hundred percent. His first job as a general right. manager. But, but you look at, at, at a guy who's, who's, who's methodical, who, who came in 2014, looked at what they were doing. I think about the amateur draft and the setup of the scouting department and said, you know, after, after observing, taking it all in said, this is what we need to do. We need to have more scouts. We need to have more scouts overseas. We need a bigger department. We need a data part, you know, and he put those things in place and they produce results, right? Like that's the kind of like, this is, you know, so, so that's, you know, he, he, he did good things in the city. Um, I think people, he, he'll get remembered for some of the mistakes by some, but um, yeah, I, I think he's earned, earned a big opportunity like this. And, and I'm, you know, and sometimes you just need a new, you need a new start. You need mm-hmm. a, a fresh start. The, the market needs a new start. And I think the, the person, the human sometimes needs a fresh start too. Right. And, and that he's getting that Calgary's getting it and Toronto's getting it. So we'll see how it all plays out. I'll, I'll, I'll can I hop down again in, in, in December, January? Yes. We'll see how it's going. Yes. Yes, you can. We'll book you now. As a matter of fact, stay on the line. Jack will talk to you. Okay. We'll get a time book now. It's like a right. doctor, a dentist now. Hey, we're booking six months in advance. Wow. Right? You got to come okay. in for your cleaning. Uh, when when are you free at eight o'clock on you know December twenty fourth? I don't know. Okay, sure. Uh, hey, listen. Thanks for that. You got anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote? No, not really. No, no, I don't. I'm gonna have a garage sale this weekend, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have anything to promote. Um, no, I will just say that, uh, you know, speaking of Ryan Huska, I was in Kamloops for the first time last week. I went mm-hmm. to uh, some Memorial Cup games, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the lovely uh, area of Kamloops. It was the first time for me, and um, a lot of history with that yep. team. Obviously, connections into the local heroes here, of course. Yes. And um, so that was fun, but uh, no. Did you, did good, you run uh, into Jerome? I did not. He was there his his son was 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 on the roster but not playing for seattle um and and has since been traded yeah um but uh no i did not but um yeah it's kind of cool to see that a lot of a lot of kind of tributes to you know kind of the the mark reckies and kind of the dean evison you know some of the yeah yeah, they've got some good players come through there so so not so much a plug is it just an acknowledgement to all the listeners in kamloops i had a great time okay well we always like a good acknowledgement uh, thank you, sir. This was fun. I appreciate your time today. All right. Uh, take care, Robbie. There you go, buddy. Darren Haynes, everybody from Canadian press. Uh, also as we, uh, well, as he told you, he's a stats guy for the, uh, Stampeders. So some interesting CFL talk and a uh, little, who knew little hockey talk, of course, brought to you by ski seller, snowboard, ski seller, snowboard.com 76 years in Calgary, current location, just one in the summer guys, McLeod trail by Chinook center. Well, by now you've made plans for tomorrow, have you not? UFC 289 in Vancouver on pay-per-view, on pay-per-view, Amanda Nunez. Get out, watch a legend in the making. Not saying she's done, she's not done, but it's, you know, not going to be many more. I mean, exactly how long is a fighter's career, right? Um, First time in four years uh, that UFC has been back to Canada it is Nunez versus Aldana. Um, six, six, count them, six Canadians on the undercard. Uh, really good co-main event. Um, but most importantly, it's back. It's exciting. It's everything everybody wants it to be. So whether you watch it on pay-per-view, 
or whether or not you check it out at your favorite watering hole that supports the UFC, make sure you check out UFC 289, Nunez, Aldana, Vancouver's Rogers Arena tomorrow on pay-per-view. All right, time for the final mile. <clears throat> How about this? This here little show. Big week for this here little show. First, congratulations to Cami Kepke. Cami Kepke. You know her. Uh, she comes on. She co-hosts the program every once in a while. She's a great guest. She is the recipient of the Fred Gus Collins Award uh, for her work covering the Canada West and student-athletes. Um, we congratulate Cami. I'm so proud of her. Uh, she did lay out the challenge that perhaps she could find time on this program to do segments highlighting these athletes in these sports. Challenge accepted. We will. We are talking. We will continue to talk. We hope to take her up on that. Congratulations to Danny Austin. We talked about it all afternoon, but it's one thing now. It's uh, it's a it's a real thing. Live from 55. Uh, one episode out. There'll be a new episode on Monday. Uh, which we'll take a look around the CFL, but you heard it from Darren. And to me, it was uh, the response that he got on uh, on the web, on social, from people who were really excited. Danny's going to crush this. Uh, Danny's going to kill this. And Danny, of course, will be hosting this program a couple times, or hosting this program a couple times next week. Uh, so just wanted to congratulate him. So one begs the question, now when does Jack get his big break? I don't know, but it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Um, I mentioned All Sport One Day, which is coming soon here in Calgary. Uh, I believe uh, not this week, the following weekend. So if you know about All Sport One Day, great opportunity, kids. Uh, 717 to try a new sport completely free. Try a couple of new sports. But we need some volunteers. We are all over the city, 70-plus sports. My understanding is as of yesterday, there was over 3,500 kids already registered. So we need some help in the different venues. Uh, again, all over. If you can volunteer next Saturday, you want to head on over to Sport Calgary's website, find the volunteer sign up, and and one hour, two hours, all day, whatever you need, you get a T-shirt and a gift card. Uh, but you'll be able to help kids find a new sport. So I wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. So as we leave you here on this Friday, we remind you that the. Uh, Calgary Surge are in action tonight against the Ottawa Blackjacks. Both teams three and one, seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock up at Windsport. Monday and Wednesday next week is supposed to be Danny Austin. Now, in the event that the Flames hold a press conference to announce a coach, that may switch and I may have to come back in and do my own job. But anyway, and then a week from today, Peter Marr and Eric DeHatchek on the same show. Thanks to our incredible producer, Jack, who uh, had just had a stellar week. I enjoyed our shows this week. I, uh, yeah, I really, really good. They weren't, were they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were not all. I mean, that doesn't always happen, Jack. We don't say that because we're trying, we it really, sometimes they just aren't good, but this week they were good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so for Jack and for me, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Even on a budget quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.